podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Inside Tri Show with Sports Tours International. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. A little bit of fun in front of the mic is what I'm cut out for, I think. Hello and welcome to the Inside Tri Show with Sports Tours International and Orion Connect. I'm Helen Murray and this is episode 16. If you are listening to this in the UK, then I really hope that you enjoyed your one day of sunshine. Maybe two if you're lucky. (laughs) It's been one heck of a long old winter, hasn't it? Blimey. Anyway, on this week's show. Coming up from Surf Lifesaver to probable architect, to Olympic triathlon hopeful, it's Taylor Spivey. I mean, I'm like getting kind of like choked up right now, but it was really nice to have like her there, not there physically, but just like emotionally for me to, you know, try to cheer me up. And yeah, she was there for me in like probably one of my my lowest points in all of racing. And uh, yeah, it was pretty devastating. It was just within the last, I'd say, 200 meters of the race, I I thought I had it, but in the last 200 meters, I lost the first of three of the Team USA's women's Olympic spots. That is Taylor Spivey. She comes from a swimming background. She was fourth on the ITU World Series overall rankings at the end of 2019. She has high hopes of making the US Olympic team. She's also the girlfriend of Vincent Louis, so we talk a little bit about their first date and how they met and how she's looking forward to doing all the interior design kind of stuff on the house that he has bought in Girona. So that is coming up. But before we get to the interview and things like that, well, I'm going to have a little chat to you about what I have been up to, but also about sponsors of the show, Sports Tours International, because if you have signed up to the popular Ironman 70.3 Mallorca and you've not yet sorted out logistics of how you're going to get there or where you're going to stay, then why not consider going with Sports Tours International and really benefit from the amazing race force services so you don't have to feel crazily stressed before you even get to the start line. They are offering three or four nights in a four-star hotel in a really good location with breakfast and evening meals all around the event timing. So again, fewer things to worry about. They're also offering training sessions. They're going to be mechanics on hand all of the time. And it's all from £495 per person. So you can check it out all in the show notes at helenmurray.net forward slash inside try show forward slash Taylor Spivey. Coming up, we've got something that's going to keep those legs turning on the treadmill. I mentioned last week, and you might have been able to hear it, that I had a bit of a cold. It seemed to be brewing, and I was like, no, this is not on. I was doing a half marathon at the weekend, and I just didn't want to have a cold, basically. But I did hammer home the 33 Fuel Daily Greens, and uh, I don't know if that made a difference. But anyway, the cold didn't stick around for, for too long. And, oh, I had a great day. So I decided to run it with rich my husband which I've never actually done before um I don't know if you have ever run a race or a 10k or a half or whatever with a significant other or a friend or anything like that I remember once 
pacing a friend around Bath half marathon and it was just the most fun day ever. I think um, pacing a significant other is uh, slightly different. <laughs> I think at one point, um, probably more than one point, Rich was probably thinking, well, in fact, he said, Helen, just go on, just just carry on. And I'm like, no, that defeats the purpose of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to have a good day and I'm trying to get you to the finish line as well. And um, credit to the Always Aim High team, who they're the race organisers, who had a rather challenging time, let's say, in the last, I don't know, 24 hours before the race, because we had another storm, yet another storm, I should say. And that meant that they had to change the original start. And then at about four o'clock in the morning, before the race was meant to take place, a tree came down on a car at, I think, the mile four point. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But that meant that then they had to use their emergency route for the half marathon. And the emergency route uh, was, let's say, somewhat hillier than the original. And uh, I'm going to bring it up here because I I brought it up. It was quite interesting. So um, uphill, 9.63k, which means that we did more downhill. It never feels like that, does it? Anyway, the amount of flat, 2.4k. And here we go. The steepest uphill was 22.2%. So it was quite a lump. And the longest uphill was a kilometre and a half. So yeah, it was a lot lumpier than I think people had anticipated. But anyway, I had a cracking day. The sun shone. As I say, it was our bonus day of sunshine in 2020. Um, And it was really pretty special to be able to cross the line we actually held hands that might be vomit inducing for some people but um yeah it was really special and a great way to it was actually my birthday on Sunday so I just had a a really fun day and um yeah loved it and felt annoyingly comfortable um all the way around which is probably why it was quite as annoying as it was for Rich but anyway Always Aim High did an amazing job of actually getting that run on and keeping everyone safe. And they're really trying hard this year with sustainability. So they gave everyone who finished a bottle that you can take to other races uh, and use that. So rather than giving water out on in cups on the course. And then they are also this year doing a Tease for Trees initiative. So they've partnered up with a charity called Size of Wales and Basically, anyone who enters their events this year are going to be offered another option. So if you don't want a complimentary event T-shirt, then you can tick a box and say, actually, I want to plant a tree. And then they'll put a contribution towards this charity that plants trees around the world. So that's quite cool, isn't it? Um, And I was wondering, have you been involved in races this year or maybe last year or or anything like that that are actually doing their little bit to make things more sustainable because I don't know if like me you have so many um race t-shirts and especially a lot of the women's ones 
well they're not women's are they they're men's so they never really fit properly and half the time I don't even wear them and you think this is such a waste so I would love to hear from you if you are a race organizer um, or if you just have been to a race and they were doing good stuff let me know at Inside Tri Show on Instagram and Twitter. So the Inside Tri Show is also sponsored by Orion Connect. Now, if you are struggling with pain or injury, then you need to get in touch with the Orion Connect team. So say you need an MRI scan and you go to your GP and you've got to wait a whole load of time and then you're just going round and round in circles and you feel like you're never getting anywhere, then give Orion a call because they can get you diagnosed, they can get you an appointment and they can get you back on track ASAP. So it's quick and it's affordable and you can find out what is going on and get treated for it. So even if you don't live necessarily in London, where the top healthcare practitioners that they work with are based, think about it. It might actually be worth, if you're calling through London or even getting down to London, you can get same day appointments and everything. So do go and check them out either in the show notes or head to orion.co.uk forward slash connect and just get those injuries and get those niggles sorted. Time for this week's interview. Taylor Spivey is this week's guest. She studied architecture at university and says that never in a million years did she think that she would end up becoming a professional triathlete. But after swimming at university during her degree, she started to dabble in triathlon and she showed that she had a lot of talent beyond the pool. She won the USA Triathlon Collegiate National Championships and then she got onto the USA Triathlon National Team. 2019 was her best season yet with two World Triathlon Series podiums and fourth place in the overall world rankings last year. She heads into this year with high hopes of securing a spot on Team USA for Tokyo 2020. Here is the interview with Taylor Spivey. Taylor, how are you? How's it going? Where are you? Hi, Helen. I'm well. I am currently in Montegordo, Portugal, and we are deep into training camp right now, so I'm very, very tired. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're on camp, what's it like compared to when you're not on camp? Well, we actually spend most of the year in camp settings. So when we're in these camp settings, most of our day is pretty structured. We all swim together as a training group, and um, all of our hard sessions are done as a group. Aside from that, all the easy rides and runs are done on our own. So it's a lot more structured when compared to, you know, just being on my own somewhere in between races where I can kind of like sleep in and go about my day at my own pace, which is nice sometime. And I'm looking forward to something like that soon. (laughs) (laughs) Do, Do you find like that the fatigue sort of builds up when you are in camp? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like slowly over time, I just start to get more and more tired. And so right now we're, it's mid-February and today was actually the first time I took a nap. (laughs) So yeah, it hit me hard today. (laughs) So you're getting the best of me right now. (laughs) Oh good, I feel very privileged. And Taylor, what do you like when you are 
knackered are you a you a sort of grumpy person are you just like don't even talk to me (laughs) well I think in general I'm not a morning person at all like it takes me like a few hours to get going especially like on days I don't drink coffee so in general in the morning I like just need my space you know like probably don't talk to me until I like go for a swim or go for a run then we can like have a chat but um as the day goes on I'm I'm fine and they come around and <laughs> yeah I'm all right <laughs> did, you, did you find early swims really hard then yes and no I so I grew up swimming I swim at university and because of the way my classes were scheduled I was an undergraduate in architecture so I pretty much had classes all day so I had to wake up at like 4 a.m to swim so I could like get in the same amount of swim time as like the rest of my team because they could go to afternoon practice. So I think I kind of just like sucked it up. I I would have everything prepared in the morning. I would put on my swimsuit and I would walk to the pool and I would just jump in like there was no like thought process <laughs> like before the swim. Um, and I think it was a good way to like wake me up. But now before before I get in the pool or before I start that first workout, I really struggle. <laughs> you must have had so much motivation when you were at university because something like architecture compared to, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but in the UK, if you were to do English or languages or something like that, you don't actually have that many hours of lectures. So, you know, you could be very flexible with when you wanted to swim, but man if you were doing art you know you're doing architecture as well that's that's high levels of motivation yeah it was it was so hard honestly like I don't think I, if I knew what I had to do and like the amount of sleep I would not get <laughs> and I don't know if I could like put myself through that again but I think I loved every every moment of it like looking back on it as much as I was you know sleep deprived and like just either walking to class in the dark before morning practice or walking back home at night in the dark after all of my classes like it made me a very like regimented and gritty person and I noticed like when I was in swim season, I was on top of like all these little things. And then when I was out of swim season in the, in, in the springtime, I just kind of let everything go. <laughs> so it definitely helped my grades. It helped my organization skills. It made me a tougher person. And so I'm, I'm happy I went through that. And now I really appreciate like sleep and just being like a 100% full-time athlete. Do you miss using your brain a little bit? Um, Yes, I definitely miss being creative. And that is something I want to do when I'm done with triathlon. But when I train as much as I do and as hard as I do, I think I've heard other athletes call it cardio brain. And you kind of just like your brain doesn't work like it should. Like you forget things. Like you kind of like bump into walls sometimes. (laughs) So... I don't know if I would be the best creative person if I was doing something like now outside of triathlon, but I do miss it and I want to use my brain again in the future. <laughs> and do you, would you see yourself 
going to work in architecture in some capacity in the future? I wish I could, but I think I'm just too far behind now. Yeah. It's a field that's like constantly evolving and constantly progressing. And I've already been out of it for like five years now. So I don't know if that's like a very realistic for me. We'll see when that time comes. But ideally, I would like to tie, you know, what I've been doing these last few years is athletics and my creative passion and and do something along the lines of product design or you know something in that realm but we'll see when that time comes let's be honest there's a few more important things on the horizon at the moment this is true yes (laughs) yes yes (laughs) so were you at uni on a swimming scholarship no I was not on scholarship I actually went there specifically for architecture. Okay. I I took a few years off swimming when I was in middle school and high school. Um, so that's like between ages, I don't know, like 14 to 16, like, uh, like 12 to 16, I'd say. So I had just started swimming like two years, again, like two years before university. So I wasn't as good as I needed to be to get a scholarship and my main priority was um, getting a degree in architecture so the university I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo was at the time the top ranked architecture school in the U.S. so that's why I chose to go there and I was fortunate enough to be able to walk onto the swim team and um, never in a million years would I have thought it would have you know evolved into me pursuing triathlon and me becoming a professional triathlete. That's amazing. But it does run in your family though, doesn't it? Triathlon. Yeah, it does. My mom's last Ironman was when she was pregnant with me. So I had done an Ironman before I was born, she likes to say. I think that's kind of silly. But um, yeah, and my parents also met doing triathlon. So before I was born, that was a big part of their life. Um, my mom was a professional triathlete. She did long course racing, and my dad was a really good age grouper. So, yeah, that's their background. But they never, they never, like, really talked to me much about triathlon. I knew it was part of their past, um, but we just led really active, healthy lives, and and I I. I came across triathlon on my own. <laughs> yeah. Really? And and have they started to talk way more and, and reminisce about, you know, the good old days in triathlon since knowing, you know, since you've got into it, basically? Yeah, I bet. I hear stories about, you know, some of the races they've done. I think actually one of the first races I did, which was Wildflower in um, near my university in Central California, I remember my dad telling me, it was one of his last races and in the middle of the race he was thinking to himself this is so hard I'm never doing this again (laughs) so so yeah it's kind of ironic that that was his last race and it was my first but um yeah and did did he tell you that after you had crossed the line yeah he told me that (laughs) later on yes (laughs) yes in a way they must be so proud that that's actually what you have gone into yeah I think my parents are very different my mom she loves to swim she was a professional triathlete like I said 
she teaches swim lessons for a living to, you know, the kids in our community in our backyard. And that's what she's done my entire life. I've seen kids come and go from our house like every day, all week long, like my entire childhood. And she has a ton of like national medals and world records for her age group and all these crazy accolades. So her seeing me pursue triathlon has motivated her as a as an athlete and like later on in life and um I think she's my biggest fan which is really cool because she loves sports so much and um it's nice to have a swim buddy when I come home because for me that's the hardest sport for me to do when I'm back at home but for her it's something she absolutely loves my dad is kind of the opposite he he loves sports he's like a great cyclist and he's pretty much the reason I got my first road bike and um, you know feel safe riding at home because of him and all of his like really strong old man cycling friends <laughs> what I like to call them <laughs> um, but he was much more reluctant in my pursuit of triathlon I think there's so much uncertainty in professional sports and me coming from a non-running background and just being so new to the sport at such a, you know, an older age, I guess you would say, compared to people that start when they're like really young. Yeah. He didn't want me to, you know, pursue something that wasn't going to help me out like financially later on in life and he wasn't sure if it was something that I could pursue long term so now that everything's coming together he's obviously a huge supporter of mine but he I think he just wants the best for me yeah it took a little bit of convincing yeah yeah I had to prove him wrong I guess you know (laughs) not wrong because he (laughs) believed in me but like I had to show them that I could do this and I could support myself and I didn't need anyone else's help. So it was a good motivator. Yeah. And Taylor, did your mum teach you to swim then or in your back garden? Definitely, yes. Did she? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think I'm sure I could swim before I could walk. Yeah, she, I've never seen anyone so in love with swimming. Yeah, she loves it. And she definitely taught me when I was little. And does she ever say, Taylor, that, that stroke in you know in that particular race you should have done this more <laughs> uh, all the time <laughs> I absolutely hate it but um I know she wants the best for me but I'm like I'm working on my run like I don't need to fix my swim <laughs> it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh that's amazing and you are coached by Paolo Sousa so what's it like being in his group and is it is it all females that you train with um, yeah, so my coach is Paulo Sousa. He is Portuguese, but this is the first time we have ever trained as a group in Portugal, which is kind of funny. Um, he went to Vanderbilt University for his PhD, I believe, and he spent like most of his later life in the U.S. and in San Diego. Um, so that's a little bit about him. He's very smart, and now he coaches a bunch of female athletes and two male athletes so there right now I think we have I want to say 11 females in the squad and two males something like that my numbers might be wrong 
but there are so many country, different countries represented in our group. It's pretty cool to experience different cultures and get to know so many different people from so many different places. All of them are so strong in certain areas of, of triathlon and everyone has a weakness. So I think we have a really good balance in the group. And what's the, what's the dynamic like given that there's a lot of females in that group? Yeah, I think people always seem to be afraid of there being like a lot of females in a group. But we, I think we have a very good dynamic. We all have this like general understanding of like we want to work hard and we want to be better athletes and to reach the level that we want to be at, you know, we have to push each other and push ourselves in key sessions and we'll do whatever it takes to help each other and help ourselves get there. So someone's always tired one day someone's always feeling good one day so but in general I think we have this general understanding of like love and support and and we try to pick each other up when we're feeling down so it's good what's it like then going from the camp environment with with everyone else where you're supporting each other to then race day and lining up against them the race day environment is quite different than the camp environment for me particularly like the week leading into a race I like to do a lot of things on my own just because with the jet lag and the travel and the time zones and all the factors that go into being in like a new foreign place I just try to listen to my body I think I perform better when I I just have that week to to be alone and not really do my sessions with the group but as for the race itself, most of us are on the WTS circuit. Mm-hmm. So we're racing a lot of the people we're training with, which is, is pretty cool because we're definitely the biggest female group in IT racing. And some of the other athletes are a bit more focused on, on World Cups. So we don't see everyone at every, every race. But in general, we like always give each other like a little high five or a good luck before the race. And, you know, if we're in a, in a bike pack together, we, we know how to work together, which has happened in a lot of races this year with Yuko Takahashi. And so I know how we work well together. We know how to push each other and, yeah, hopefully get a good result together. I think the hardest hardest part of these races is when you see that someone's, you know, had a particularly bad bad day um especially when it's not reflective of their training I think that's when I I feel for some of my other teammates and you just kind of have to like sit down with them let them cry tell them it's okay to be sad for one day and just dust yourself off and get back up the next day and just keep doing what you've been doing it'll it'll come back (laughs) And, and did they did did they have to do that to you after the Tokyo test event um, <laughs> that's that was a really hard event for me. One of my teammates actually wasn't there. Uh, a girl I train with a lot. Her name is Chelsea Burns. She's another American athlete. Um, unfortunately, she didn't get a, a start, but she called me right after, and I was just like, she was like, I was crying for you. I was in tears, and she like, I mean, I'm like getting kind of like choked up right now, but. It was really nice to have like her there, not there physically, but just like emotionally for me to, you know, try to cheer me up. And I don't know. That's amazing though. That's that's such a nice thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It was really nice. And 
there are a few other athletes there that that helped me but um yeah she was there for me and like probably one of my my lowest points in all of racing and um yeah I really really appreciate you know that kind of friendship and relationship so that was good because <laughs> you missed out on selection by seven seconds for for the team right oh yeah yeah it was pretty devastating it was just within the last I'd say 200 meters of the race I felt a bit of like stomach pain the night before I thought it was nerves but I definitely ate something um wrong leading into the Tokyo test event and I didn't want to quit or give up in the middle of the race as much as I was like, my stomach was just like, I had sharp pains in the race. I wanted to stop during the swim, which is nothing that I've ever experienced before. But I pushed through until the end and I thought I had it. But in the last 200 meters, I lost the first of three of the Team USA's women's Olympic spots. How do you then pick yourself back up after that and knowing that right well I'm gonna have to try again I I don't know at first I just felt like wow I just lost my spot like it's gone it's like I'm not on the team and that's kind of like how I felt for a little while um after that that race but then my boyfriend Vincent Louis he reminded me that there are two more spots and that you know anything can happen and I have a lot of months to prepare and hopefully earn that spot. I also felt horrible for Katie Zafaris, who had crashed in that race. And and after she got her her mouth stitched up, we had a heart to heart. And um, she was also very supportive. And she reminded me of this as well. And hopefully it'll just make us stronger this year. And it definitely makes us want it a whole lot more. And I think that's a pretty hard mentality to beat. There's so much competition for only a couple you know the, the the small amount of places similar with the British team do you ever speak to some of the other British athletes who you know they haven't yet got their spot either and do you share the kind of sentiments that you're going through I haven't really spoken to many of the the British athletes just about you know what they're going through obviously they're equally if not stronger than our U.S. women's team which is pretty crazy to think in the top 30 like world ranking Mm. I'd say (laughs) over 10 of these athletes are from the U.S. or Great Britain and that's really impressive and that makes it extremely hard to earn this these three Olympic spots that we each have respectively yeah but it also makes us become the best athletes we could possibly be and it raises the bar for all of us and it's not easy but it makes us rise to the occasion so it's it's pretty cool but it's also incredibly incredibly hard and what do you now have to do to get on that plane to Tokyo well um so one of the one of our three Olympic spots has been earned already, and that was at the Tokyo Test event. So that means we have two more to earn. And the next event that will auto-qualify a female U.S. athlete is the WTS Yokohama event, and that's in late May. So the first female to podium at that event 
will get the next auto qualification spot. And then the third selection spot on this, this team will come to discretion. So I think a lot of it will weigh into how we perform at the beginning of the season and how we perform on the relay, which is, you know, just just as important as the individual event. And you've done really, really well at um, Super League Triathlon. Do you, I mean, do you have any preference between the shorter distance and, and the Olympic distance at all? I don't really have a preference. I like the variety that all of these races bring. I think I'm a little better in the Olympic distance, for instance, compared to a sprint, just because the swim breaks up a bit more and the way the dynamics of the ITU, the, the World Triathlon Series races have been playing out. It favors a, a strong swim biker with the likes of Jess Learmouth, Katie Zafaris, and all these other strong swim bikers. But Super League is very different. It's very fun. Um, everyone at these races seems a lot more more laid back and and just more relaxed and like laughing up until you know the gun goes off and and we're trying to remember which which order um, of the events are playing out in our mind. Like like are we swim? bike running are we run bike swimming what gear should we switch our bike into are we getting back on our bike um do i need my cap when i'm running do i need to put it on there are these different factors and that's what i really love about super league racing is that there's so much to it and if you make one mistake you're kind of out of it so are you chatting to each other as you're going around sometimes we're like uh how many laps have we done are we running next or swimming next i don't remember <laughs> we always like go over the order of what we're doing next uh, with each other on the start line and remind each other like oh we have to do this before before we get off our bike or this you know before we jump into the swim so it really makes us have to think a lot more than when we're in it racing there's just more to it, which is part of the reason why I also love it. I love like racing just up until the finish line with someone and, you know, hearing them breathing and like, you know, hearing them suffer, having them try to put in a surge on me because it's such a short format that like the dynamic is constantly changing and it makes it so much more entertaining yeah. for whoever's watching and exciting for us racing as well. Now, when you would have said to your parents, they obviously met each other through triathlon, when you said, oh, my boyfriend's a triathlete as well, (laughs) were they like, yay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I don't, they didn't really have much of a reaction. I mean, they know that Vince is obviously one of the best triathletes in the world. So I think they're just like really excited to meet him, you know, because they watch all of our races and they're like, wow, like he is incredible. It's very impressive. Like I'd love to meet this guy one day. So I think that's really all they were thinking. And um, you were like, here he is. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, here he is. You can meet the whole family. Yeah. 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 Do you get <laughs> nervous watching each other? Yeah. I, I get nervous. It depends on the races, um, like if they're important races, if there's like a lot on the line. I'm 
I'm a lot more nervous for him. Um, for instance, I'd say two of the most nerve-wracking races that he's been in, um, actually three. The first was when we started race dating, which was in uh, after like a few months, a month or so of dating. He was racing the grand final in Gold Coast, and I just told him to be safe. Um, and not crash, and that's all I wanted. <laughs> and over someone's walkie-talkie, I heard Vincent Louis crashed, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like my heart just like dropped into my stomach because I couldn't see like the live feed. I was on the course at the time, and um, it took me like five minutes to figure out what was going on. And I guess he just clipped his his pedal on a turn, but he like got right back up and he was fine. But that was the first like shocking moment in a race that I've like, been like, Oh no, like, is he okay? Like he was a favorite for this race. Like what's going to happen? I was just like, like, I didn't know what, (laughs) what to do. And I never experienced anything like that because I've never really, you know, had a significant other in these races where I cared so much about them and their well being. Another race where something happened was Super League Singapore, and it was like the grand final of the the Super League races, and points were pretty close between him and Henry Schumann, and the first day he rolled over a staple and got a flat tire. That meant he wasn't going to make it to the next round. So right when someone told me he was still racing and like, riding his wheel completely flat. Luckily, he's so skilled. He knows how to ride corners and, you know, things like that. When his wheels fly, he would unclip his pedal and, like, make sure he wouldn't slide out and things like that. But I had crashed in my race prior, so I was crying about my shoulder. And all of a sudden, I heard that he had a flat tire. So I grabbed our room key and I sprint to our hotel room, get his wheels, I like forget about my shoulder completely <laughs> and I like come back so that he can like put the wheel on for the next round. But unfortunately he had been eliminated so he couldn't finish out that day of racing. Yeah, so that was another shocker. And the third one was the goal, the Lausanne grand final win. He was so close to winning the world championship, but I could see he was really suffering in the last lap of the 10k at the end of the race and um I've never seen him suffer like that and I knew exactly what place he had to get to still earn a world championship title and I barely warmed up for my race because I was just checking where he was and where all of the other athletes were and screaming at him and cheering for him and giving him as much information as I could while I was getting ready for my race but luckily he did it and that was just really impressive to me so and what are his best qualities as an athlete and as a person I think as a person and as an athlete he's a very like meticulous person he does everything like to a T like everything is like well thought out and precisely done with intent, whether it's like he's packing for a race 
um, getting his bike set up, whether he's free watching a race even and like recognizing things that he did wrong. Or even if I'm asking him to like cut up some onions in the kitchen, they're like perfectly cut. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how it translates to like all aspects of his life. And I think that is what makes him the type of athlete that he is. How do you make it work? Because it must be really hard when you're on different sides of the world. Yeah, it's pretty tough that we're not, you know, always in the same place. We train with different training groups. Fortunately, last year, our camps overlapped a lot. That's actually how we went on our first date, was our camps overlapped in Flagstaff, Arizona. And he asked, <laughs> he asked me, it was actually based on the Edmonton Relay. He said, if we beat you, you owe me a coffee and Flagstaff. And I said, okay, if we beat you, then you owe me two coffees and Flagstaff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then eventually we went on our, our date in Flagstaff when we weren't absolutely crushed from training at altitude. And, uh, yeah, we've been dating ever since. The rest, they say, is history. And you just bought a house in Spain, right? Yes, we did. Well, he did. I can't afford buying houses yet. I just paid off my student loans. So <laughs> I will help decorate it and remodel it. But I think it's a really fun project for both of us. No matter how this year plays out for both of us, I think it's a high pressure year. Obviously, I still need to qualify for the games. Um, but he is a favorite. And I think... It's a high-pressure year, and having this little side project and something to take our mind off training and something to look forward to afterwards is really good, and it, it's really exciting for both of us. We like constantly send each other little pictures of furniture or like things that we would like in the house, things that we want to renovate, certain styles we're going for. So it's fun, and it's a it's a way to stay connected while we're like you said, on different sides of the world. I'm sure communicating when we're in different time zones will be a lot harder, but we have not really had to do too much of that yet. And that is your creative streak coming out as well. Yeah, yeah. That will be like my first real creative project in my triathlete life. So I'm really excited. And I think it'll be fun, fun to do with him as well, because... I think he's pretty creative too. And like I said, he's very meticulous. So if we're doing anything like handiwork on the house, I know it'll be done really well. I had a question in from a patron who said, um, do you ever have bets between each other for races or like handicap systems at events as to who's <laughs> who's got the better result or anything? <laughs> no, we, we actually don't. I think at the beginning we would like joke whoever like race better would owe the other one a coffee. But no, we don't really do that. Um, we should, though. I was thinking recently that it's pretty impressive since we started dating. I think we've both finished every race we've done in the single digits, knock on wood. But I think that's like really cool. So it's good to see that our, our relationship is having a positive impact on our performance. And uh, I think it creates a good as they call it, work-life balance. <laughs> Correct. And talking of work-life balance, um, I had another question in um, from Matt Wackett who said, how do you rest, relax, and recuperate? And how hard is it to do that? Ugh. 
I think as a triathlete, resting is what we're all absolutely horrible at. (laughs) I think all triathletes are just like so type A. We just want to like get the most out of ourselves and do something and like do all of our training to the fullest and do something all the time. It's hard for us to like take a step back and um, just relax. So I think it helps to be around my teammate who I mentioned earlier, Chelsea Byrne. She always tells me to like take it a little easier. We'll go on like, if it's an easy training day, we'll go on what we call adventure bike rides where we just kind of explore new roads and just like take it easy and we don't really look at our power or anything. But if we're just completely relaxing, I'd say I just like to watch Netflix and find a really good show to binge. And um, unfortunately, that usually means my brain is too tired to read a book. But every once in a while, if my brain isn't in full cardio brain mode, I will do some reading as well. And where would you most like to go on an adventure bike ride if you could go anywhere? It doesn't have to be with Chelsea. It It could be with Vince. It could be, you know, with your dad on a... On, on on his yeah. own bikes I think they could all come on our adventure bike ride to be honest I think they would all love it my dad does mountain bike riding Chelsea loves to gravel ride and Vince is just the most skilled triathlete cyclist that I've ever seen so I think we would go on a gravel ride in Girona because that's where our new home will be and I heard that we might be getting some gravel bikes which is really exciting for me yeah that'd be amazing yeah just like all throughout spain i think there are so many cool like just dirt roads that are off the beaten path and yeah i haven't haven't explored even half of them and i've spent a lot of time there so that's ace so taylor really good luck for olympic qualification first and foremost and for the rest of your races this year uh thank you so much good luck to you as well thanks so much for listening to the inside tri show I think I want to go on an adventure bike ride. It sounds great. (laughs) I actually ventured out on my bike for half an hour. So I think I'm winning yesterday just to try and loosen the legs off a little bit. Again, during the one day of sunshine uh, yesterday. Yeah, it was actually really nice. And I'm hoping if the weather is good on Friday that I might get out on my bike for a couple of hours actually. So um, yeah, I'll keep you posted on that one. Anyway, if you enjoyed the interview with Taylor, then let us know. Please do share any social posts that you might see or comment on them on Instagram and Twitter at Inside Tri Show. And if you have been enjoying the show over the last few months since I launched it, then if you could give it a five star rating and leave a quick review in Apple, then I would be sincerely grateful. It makes a really big difference in terms of downloads and who finds it and sharing it and everything like that just helps to get the word out there. So I am very grateful for everyone's support so far, including my patrons. And I have two more coffee buddies. Thank you so much, Ruth Bradley and Linda Cook. They have both signed up to support me and the show with being a coffee buddy. If you want to join them, then head to patreon.com forward slash inside try show. And honestly, for each and every one of you who has done that, yeah, I'm just super grateful. Um, You're complete and utter stars. So thank you. And if you have signed up to be a training buddy, then you'll be getting your first exclusive training buddy show in April. I'm still working on the content for it. 
Now, if you are doing Ironman 70.3 Mallorca in May, then don't forget to head over to the show notes and check out the race tour with Sports Tours International. They are offering three or four nights in a four-star hotel, race force services, so that means you'll have mechanics on hand all the time, meal times are in line with the event, hotel taxes are sorted, you'll, you'll have training sessions out on the course, and loads, loads more. So contact Sports Tours International or Sports Travel International if you're in Ireland via the links for further information and bookings. I don't have an update this week for you from Luke Grenfell Shaw on his tandem ride from Bristol to Beijing. If you're maybe new to the podcast and you don't know who I'm on about, then just go back a few episodes and look up Control How You Live Today with Luke Grenfell Shaw. You will not regret spending the time listening to that. So Luke is living with stage four cancer and he is currently raising, he's up to over £30,000 as he cycles a tandem from Bristol to Beijing. But there is way more to it than that. And it's just an incredible story. So I don't have an update from Luke, but I did hear this week an amazing interview with his mum, which was on Woman's Hour. And I'll put the link in the show notes because, again, yeah, you just have to listen to it. it. It's pretty, you can't switch it off. Um, His mum, Jenny, sounds like a complete and utter superstar. So there will be a link in the show notes to the interview that Jenny Grenfell Shaw did on BBC Women's Hour recently. So Inside Tri Show is also brought to you by Orion Connect, which is a free introduction service. So if you are injured or struggling with pain, then they will connect you with top healthcare practitioners in London. They will listen to your concern if you phone them up and then they'll give you options of trusted partners. So practitioners that you could see. It is affordable and it's efficient, so it is a really good option if you need to get diagnosed and treated quickly so then you can recover as soon as possible from whatever injury you might have and get back to training ASAP. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. As ever, the show has been powered by 33fuel.com. You can get a discount at checkout with the code InsideTry33. So that's on all orders. I've been using their daily greens a lot over the last week. It's a really, um, it's like a cinnamony taste and it mixes fine in water. It looks like very, very green and a bit, ooh, what's that? But actually tastes pretty good and tastes even better, genuinely, in orange juice. So uh, that's the winning combo for me. If you like the idea of picking a bit of this and a bit of that when it comes to sports nutrition, then head over to comfuel.co.uk. Use the code INSIDETRY for 20% off all orders. I'll be back again next week. We've got something that's going to blow your mind. So in 2012, I had an operation to remove an ingrown toenail. And that triggered something called CRPS, which is complex regional pain syndrome. It caused a lot of pain. Couldn't really walk properly. I could sort of walk on the outside of my foot. And then after about two years, it started kind of causing ulcers in my foot. And I had about over 50 operations to try and fix the ulcer in my foot. But none of them really worked. And yeah, after about four years, I elected to have my leg amputated. So until then, keep it fun and we'll speak then. 
Social Podcast Network.